The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Hello, hello. There we go. Welcome back, Refuge Church. If you're feeling a little drowsy this morning, there's plenty of sugar back there to to wake you right up. I'll also remind you if for some reason you you chose um, for Lent to give up sugar that Sundays are actually a break day. (laughs) That's true, they don't count as one of the 40 days. So just a reminder, you can feast along the way. So... Uh, I understand if you want to get up, if you avoid it, I'm on the way in. There we go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let me start by, by praying for us. Um, I'll remind you as we, we get into this uh, that we're doing something new this, this season of Lent preparing for Easter, which is we, we started with Ash Wednesday. It was our first time. Um, observing Ash Wednesday together, and I'll make a couple more mentions of that in the sermon. Uh, but we are also paralleling Crossroads Neighborhood Church and their uh, their kind of Lenten series. Uh, nothing more than that we're kind of preaching the same verses with generally the same theme. Uh, we didn't really talk about what the content of the sermons would be, but... Um, we, we thought it would be fun, and, and for a couple of reasons. One, this is a historic text that was used during the Lent season, this story of the temptation of Jesus. And, and also that, um, you know, this, this thing we do, uh, gathering as the church, isn't just something we do. The celebration of Ash, Ash Wednesday or um, anticipating the great Easter celebration is all the more special because we're part of the universal church. We're, we're part of Jesus's body um, from his ascension and the start of the church in the book of Acts till now. We're a part of that group of people. Um, this what uh, the author of Hebrews calls the great cloud of witnesses. And so um, you can think through that as we go through this series. So pray with me before we get started. My great father, you know us through and through. The psalmist says, you know, when we wake up, when we go to sleep, you know the path we travel through each of our days, the things we say and the things that we don't say, but fill our hearts. And so I pray that we will bring all of that today, things we know and don't know, and We want to be restored completely. We want to be filled up with the Spirit as we see Jesus filled with the Spirit in these passages. God, we want to anticipate heaven and have a foretaste of heaven here right now, um, being joined in a relationship with you. So, pray will bless that and show favor on us. We praise in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, yesterday, <clears throat> my mom and I went to a memorial service for a a really good friend who uh, was one of the instrumental 
relationships, uh, one of the instrumental people in the starting of the Coffee Oasis. Um, it was uh, this man, Matt Gray, who came to live at our house and then started kind of collecting his friends and family who were currently living in the grip of addiction. Um, and and it, our, our house kind of became the recovery house. It became the place where people would come to talk about Jesus and come to find freedom. And it really were, were those relationships that um, made my mom and dad decide to um, resign and, and leave Lincoln Avenue Bible Church and start the Coffee Oasis and then what would be the Refuge Church. And one of the most powerful parts of any memorial service with the technology we have now is, is the, the moment of the slideshow. Where, where you take pictures from the beginning of someone's life and you get to see all the way till their last days. And um, I see it with all new eyes as a parent and now I see, man, that, you know, the, the pictures of Matt Gray when he's the age of Elliot and as he went through his life and the highs, the highs and the lows. <clears throat> One of my friends who's a pastor told me that, that he sees his primary job as a pastor to be helping people prepare for death, helping them prepare for how this slideshow will look. And uh, when they said that, when he said that to me, I, <clears throat> um, I didn't want to agree. And, and then leaving Ash Wednesday service, um, this, this last week, I looked at Hannah and my mom, who was with us, and I said, I think that was the most pastoral moment I've ever had. When uh, probably 50 people came through my line and I spoke over them from, uh, from dust you have come to dust you will return, and I didn't want to. Every single person, I didn't want to speak their mortality over them. Uh, it was physically, I physically recoiled from it knowing I would speak it over my mom, knowing my son uh, Elliot was there and my wife, and having to say this over and over and over again. From dust you have come to dust you'll return. It was the big theme of my dad's life as he neared the end, his mortality and how he ran the race and how he would finish well. And that ultimately is what launches us into Lent and moving towards Easter is how are we running the race? Are we running well? Are we living well? Will we finish well? What will the slideshow of our life be? Apart from all the nice things, people are going to say great things about you, but how accurate is that when you do reach the very end? Is it appearances or it's not? Well, there are many temptations that could hijack our story. And that's what we're going we're gonna, to, kind of, it's going to be our entry point into our march towards Easter today. As Jesus, who is not at the beginning, this isn't the Christmas story, he's not at the end, this isn't yet the Easter story, but it's right kind of in the middle that we get of his life where, where Jesus is entering into ministry and he has every opportunity at the very beginning of that for it all to get hijacked and his ministry, his mission here on earth not to go anywhere. Uh, that is the mission of the devil in these verses is that the, the mission of Jesus wouldn't go anywhere. And that's where we, uh, we find Jesus. 
So, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles, or you can probably read up here on the screen in Luke 4. Starting in just verse 1, we're, gonna, we're just going to tackle verse 1 and, and verse 2 today. And this is what it says here. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Seems like an understatement. He was hungry. In a way, we see an origin story here of Jesus' ministry. It doesn't actually start here, but you kind of get a, uh, uh, something that calls you back to the start, which was that he had left the Jordan. And what it's talking about, if you read this temptation story in Mark or Matthew and Luke also, Jesus is coming off of his baptism, which really marks the start of his entire ministry. And, and I love this because when we ask who is Jesus? Ultimately, we can take it all from that start, from the baptism of Jesus where the Father speaks over him, the essence of Jesus' identity, which is this. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased or on whom my favor rests. The identity of Jesus wrapped up in this simple phrase, you are loved. This is my loved one. What an incredible start. And, I, and I, I love it because this identity of Jesus that he's anchored in from the very beginning of his ministry is literally the same identity that can anchor you in the rest of your story and the rest of your life. From this moment on, if you're not already living in it, you can start now where Jesus was anchored. And, and I'm not making this up. Literally, if you go to uh, Romans Chapter 8, starting in verse 14, it says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves to live in fear, but rather the Spirit brought you into adoption as children of God, and by this we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit. We are God's children. We are the loved ones of God. And that, that's, that is the start of all of Jesus' ministry is a rock-solid identity that the Father gives him that you are beloved. You are beloved. This is, the rest of the sermon series literally is about this one thing, Jesus' identity and how he holds on to that regardless of the temptation. This is what my identity is. This is what God says. This is who I am. Over and over and over again, Jesus falls back on that. Before Jesus begins his ministry on earth, the truth of his identity must be unshakable because he will be rejected, he will be ridiculed, he will be attacked over and over and over again. And the only way he stands firm is knowing who he is. And the only way you will stand firm in life is if you know who you are in Jesus. What happens in these verses is necessary for the success of Jesus's ministry on earth, which would inevitably lead to his death and resurrection, which is your freedom. Who Jesus is and how he held on to that allows you to say who you are, which is loved of God. I could probably just end there, huh? That's just good. That's <laughs> beloved. That is the start of this. The, the baptism declaration of God, you are loved. 
And this leads us into, if we can pull the verses back up here. So there's just four parts to this. And it starts in a place that I don't think we typically think of the temptation story starting or being a part of it, which is Jesus is full. Now, I think this is so so contrary to the way we think through the temptation, because usually when we get into a situation of temptation, we find ourselves empty and weak. This is not how Jesus started. Jesus is coming off the baptism where he is full of the spirit and loved by God. His identity is strong, he's confident, and he is led into the, the desert. So Jesus is full. He's starting from a place of fullness. Now this fullness of the spirit is a special and powerful indwelling of God. It's not special in that only Jesus can have it. Because we see it throughout scripture, Moses, Samson, Elijah, Elisha, Peter, Paul, these different people who are full of the spirit and are powerful. These moments where for a, a special reason, God indwells, fills up fully his child and they are able to go forth in power. And this really is the, the big idea of today. That hopefully, hopefully just if you get one thing, you get this, that the more full you are of God, the less you have room for anything else. <laughs> Jesus is so full of the Spirit. Anything that's brought to him, just kind of like, I just don't have room for that. I don't have room for, for falsehood. I don't have room for lie because I'm so full of the truth of who I am. That's where Jesus was. Jesus uh, was prepared for this moment by being filled up and full. And, and I already stated this, but man, what a contrast to how we view wilderness, temptation, challenges in our life. Many of us, we dread the thought of finding ourselves in a spiritual desert or, or the, the wilds of the world. And I think because, like we'd said earlier, like Susie shouted out, we find ourselves so empty. And, and maybe you coming this morning, you're like, I come on Sundays to kind of get filled up again because the week just tires me. I'm just like tired, I'm exhausted. But what we see in Jesus is that he is so sure of who he is, literally everything that Satan brings, everything he's experiencing, he is so full of the spirit that there isn't room for those lies and not the, the room for those other things. So so right, be so full of God that there's no room for temptation. That's just, we're gonna say it over and over again because <laughs> that was the reality of this temptation that he enters into. The second thing is this, that Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness. Led by the spirit into the wilderness. The wilderness was God's idea for Jesus before it was Satan's idea. Satan was just playing off God's idea. It's kind of one of the crazy parts of this story. Is it was who led Jesus into the wilderness? The Father led Jesus into the wilderness because the wilderness is a place of preparation, not a place of punishment. Repeat that to yourself. <laughs> the wilderness is a place of preparation not a place of punishment. If you find yourself in a place where you are feeling, man, <laughs> this is hard, it could just be a time preparing you 
for your great work. Now, Jesus is about to launch, as we know, a full-scale attack on sin and death and hell. Amen? And so, he must prepare himself for battle. So he prepares himself for battle. How? Being filled up to the fullness of God, identity secure and solid, and now he enters into the fray. And for this reason, he enters in so he can come out proven and just demolish death. Right? That's the whole goal here. Now, in Hebrews 12, 14, we get this amazing verse that says that Jesus, in the same way that we are tempted, in the same way we struggle, Jesus struggles. He was tempted in every way. That means he can relate with us. And I love it later on in, in Hebrews 12 where it says, literally this, consider him who endured such opposition that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so what's happening here is we see Jesus enduring all this. Why? And so we can have a war experienced veteran to see us through everything. Now, if you had two options, right? I mean, just think of the example I just said. Think if you're going to go into like a fight, would you get the, the person who like just signed papers to go to boot camp or would you get the person who's like done five tours? Right? No question, right? <laughs> I'm going to get the person with experience. If, if you're going to, you know, maybe hire somebody for a job, say engineering work, are you going to get the person who like just graduated or are you going to get the person who maybe has experience and can show you their work? And so Jesus has grown up. He's 30 years old now. We know less about Jesus' life, really, than we, we know of the comprehensive nature of it because for 30 years, he was growing in the grace and knowledge of the Father. Growing in grace and knowledge. And now he enters into the fray and gets the experience of hand-to-hand combat with Satan, right? And so when he comes out of that, still with his identity secure, that he is beloved, he is loved of God, we have a high priest, one who can sympathize with all of our weakness and say, you too can be so full of the spirit that the lies don't have a place in your life. That's good news. Be filled up. And so the father led him to this place. Now, if Jesus has endured such opposition that we won't lose heart, a big question is why do we have so many people, so many of us, why do we lose heart? Why do we lose heart? I've seen many, many lose heart. My work uh, here I get to do with Coffee Oasis. I've seen many people excited to be a part of caring for homeless and at-risk youth. And they, they have developed an idea of how awesome they will look like when they start doing it, right? I'm kind of exaggerating, but you do generally get people, you get people come in and they're like, man, I'm going to sit down with this kid. They're going to know how much I love them and it's going to change their life forever. And then we get a call and they're like, hey, the youth didn't show up to the first five mentoring sessions. I'm done, Right? Why? Because their identity was more in their picture of what it could be than just knowing who they are. And they're just going to come and I'm just going to sit here and maybe I'm just going to pray for that young man, young woman until they come in after a year of me just sitting in the seat every week waiting to mentor them. Right? If you can just like, I mean, I know who I am. I just want to love this person. I'm just going to wait. But you know what happens after a couple 
failed to show up mentoring sessions, I'm just going to go somewhere else. We get discouraged so quickly. We lose heart so quickly, but we love being that armchair quarterback, right? But what does it look like to enter the wilderness and come out courageous? Well, it's being so full of God that there's no room for temptation. Have you been led into the wilderness? What was that experience like for you? My wilderness began the spring I graduated from college. Up to that point in my life, I had had so many successes. God had been so favorable on my life. Um, I went to college, a lot of success. And uh, then God led me into the wilderness. Uh, To this day, I am marked by that period in life. I can tell people there's some theological ideas I think I was more confident of before than after. I think I had worked out my knowledge so well. And then you, you are led into the wilderness and you become a veteran <laughs> of what it looks like to cling to the promises of God, not just speak the promises of God. As my mom would say, don't doubt in the darkness what you've known in the light. Right, those periods of darkness where all you do is hold on to essential truth, and you don't you don't have the bandwidth for more than that. Right, those are those wilderness experiences. But I am better equipped to walk with those in suffering because of that than before that. The next thing we get is forty days of temptation. Jesus is tempted. Jesus is alone. Never surprised by the temptation of the devil. No, never be surprised by the temptation of the devil. That is the, the third point here. Never be surprised by the temptation of the devil. Jesus comes in full. He doesn't get to skip this part. When I was considering this, when I was reading 40 Days of Temptation by the Devil, the, the note I kind of scratched and kept coming back to was, don't be surprised when the scorpion stings you. Don't be surprised when the cobra strikes you. Don't be surprised when the lion attacks you. Don't be surprised when the devil tempts you. Right? How foolish of us if we think we're the ones that get away from this. Why does God not keep this from happening, this time of temptation? Well, we've covered this in some way over and over again. God doesn't keep this from happening because God has fully prepared Jesus with all he needs to to come out the other end of this, right? And we see this as we go through each of the three temptations. Jesus is responding from the fullness, right? Jesus is responding from the fullness. He's come in full and he is holding to that. The established identity given to Jesus coming into this is you are beloved, you are loved. You are beloved. You are loved. He is our high priest, tempted in every way, who had to keep reminding himself, you are beloved. You are loved. I am loved. I am loved. The thing I was really challenged by, I think, by, by this one, is that um, this isn't a show for Jesus. I think sometimes we can read the story of Jesus and we can think, okay, Jesus, you know, he went and gave the devil what, he was, you know, what was coming to him. I really think Jesus' ministry hinged on this. 
I think it hinged on it so much that if Jesus chose the way out that the, that the devil was offering to him, he would not be the savior of the world. This was real temptation. <laughs> As you see each of these, in each one of them, the devil provided Jesus another way. <laughs> you're going this way, you're loved by God, but you can be loved by the world, right? Like, you think God's giving you power, I'll give you this power. Every single time the devil speaks, he's showing him another way and, and, and a way out of what Jesus would be experiencing. But Jesus kept choosing the way of the Father, kept choosing the fullness of the Father. And he chooses it so much that he chooses to take a different course than the course that has been modeled for him through the history of his people, the Jewish people. And this is the, the fourth thing, is he ate nothing and he was very hungry. Um, we see because of Jesus' response that the whole time he's in the desert, he is meditating on the experience of the people of Israel, right? They're 40 years in the wilderness, um, and he keeps responding from that time, Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 8, as he is responding to the, the devil, um, during their time in the desert, the constant complaint of the children of Israel was what? Food. Right? Oh, remember how well we were treated in Egypt. Remember the food, the leeks and the onions. <laughs> uh, but they always go back to the, these. They must have pretty amazing leeks and onions in Egypt because that was their go-to. Remember the leeks and the onions. And, and they would complain, oh, you brought us out here to the wilderness to die over and over again. And food was their complaint. So Jesus just set aside food. I really think that was it. He's like, that was their thing that they kept complaining about. I'm going to live in the fullness of God and just not. He just chose a different path. I tell you what, um, two years ago, three years ago maybe now, it was just a horrible time in life. We tried doing the Whole30 diet. I made it, I did, I did the whole like six and a half and, um, and I was just so angry because I couldn't have grain. It wasn't the sugar guys. It was literally, I craved granola. Such a weirdo, but I was like, <laughs> like my go-to. I was like, granola is healthy, you know? <laughs> you can't tell me not to eat granola. And so I ate granola and then that led to the shit. You know, it was just, it was the pathway to giving up. Um, but it is, it is hard. But Jesus, knowing the story of Israel, chose, and this is, the, this is the name of our series, he chose a greater affection, right? And this is what each of the temptations we're going to look at, we're going to look at an affection offered, love the praise of people, love the power that the world cherishes as power, and Jesus choosing another way, choosing a greater affection, um, uh, as I talked with uh, Pastor Jeremy from Crossroads about this, we were talking about ignorant uh, desires versus infinite desires. Uh, desires that, are, that only capture that moment versus desires that capture our forever souls. And, um, y you know, <clears throat> I mentioned to him kind of a, a funny example, not, not fully dwelling on the infinite, but, you know, Elliot has chosen the course of food aversion and, uh, and we'll, Hannah makes these amazing meals and at night, um, this was, I think Wednesday night, we had this uh, like 
pasta like dripping in cheese with sausage and it was just like not whole 30 you know just what I like and it was so good and Elliot you know that that cheese that gooey good cheese just it touched his lips and he's like you know and just and he just would not have any part of it and here I'm just like I love cheese you know and I'm I'm into it and and I kept thinking like you have no idea you know, and, and, but there's no way to communicate. And what he wants every night is applesauce with this really, like, stale grain stuff, you know. And he'll, like, chomp that up. And it's like, you can have a sausage dripping in cheese. <laughs> now, I'm not going to dwell on this fact, but, um, but we are like that, right? Israel was like that when they kept saying, oh, man. Egypt was better, right? Um, this is captured in a, in a quote that if, if you ever heard my dad preach, uh, he probably shared this quote by C.S. Lewis like one out of four times he preached. Um, he loved this, and so I'll share it. I'm probably you know, one out of 20 on this one, but C.S. Lewis said, it, it seems that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slums because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea we are far too easily pleased it's not that our desire is too strong it's that our desire is too weak that is the difference between the ignorant and the infinite when we choose something that for this moment makes you happy, but in the long run will not, in the scope of infinity, it will make you miserable. That is ignorant. But an infinite desire, the fullness Jesus came in with, that he is loved, he is beloved of God. And that was the best news that you could possibly hold on. That was his identity. His lo- I'm lo- Who are you? I'm loved by God. That's, that's what Jesus came in. That was his weapon of choice when he came into conflict with Satan. I am loved by God. And no matter what the devil brought to him, he was filled up with the fullness of the Spirit that affirmed this truth. I am beloved. I am loved by God. We are far too easily pleased when we choose something else other than that knowledge to be filled up with the truth. You are a child of God and you are loved. So, How do we live this out? Well, if you are in a wilderness right now, if God is preparing you, not punishing you with the wilderness, how we do that is we are so full of God that there's no room for anything else, right? Because when we choose that infinite desire, it literally overflows, my cup overfloweth. We are able then to love, we're able to do good, we're able to contribute to the world and everything in it when we are so filled up with the love of God. But many of us don't feel ready for our mission, the mission God has given us on planet Earth. Because I think for many of us, we have chosen intentionally not to, not to follow the Spirit into the wilderness. How could this be the path that you would have for me, God? Or like Israel, we spend the entire time focused on food. and spend the entire time focused on lesser Ignorant desires when God is wanting to develop you into someone, your heart, let that heart beat again and understand how much you are are loved. So, be so full of Jesus that there is not room 
for the world. We are nibblers, I think, when it comes to our consuming the truth. Um, Take your full bites of the gospel. Fully consume that gospel truth that you are saved, you are rescued, and you're dearly loved. And follow, follow Jesus wherever he leads you. Um, One of the gifts that God gives us in the church is um, people to remind us and speak the truth over us. And so what I want to ask you to do this week is um, to be the person who speaks truth uh, over yourself and others. Um, If you're married, choose a time this week to say, man, do you know how much God loves you? Uh, You just have friendships. Take time to remind your friends that they're loved by God. And, and I want you even to think, uh, maybe especially of those people you see in your life that have a wilderness that they're in right now. Um, you know, I, I know as my pastoral responsibility of helping you prepare for death, that, that um, you know, it, this last year and the emotional hardship of, for many, last couple years, the emotional hardship of it, be that work, relationships, global, social, political <laughs> angst. Um, we have an incredible example. Or we have an incredible opportunity to be an example of what it looks like to be so full of our identity, so full of we are loved, that, that man, we can build those bridges. We can be the people who are like, I know you, <laughs> you think differently than I do. You know, maybe you're so... But man, because it's like Jesus, because he was so full of his knowledge of being loved by the Father that he was able to then go to those who, who felt so far away from God. So please, please do that. Um, as we always remind you, there are opportunities at Coffee Oasis. If you don't have them elsewhere to, to plug in and let people know who feel far away from Jesus that they're loved. Um, so we invite you to do that. Pray with me. Father, um, I think of Romans 8, it says if you did not keep back your best gift, Jesus, from us, how will you not give us everything? And that's the truth. You've given us everything in Jesus. And God, I pray that we'll take that seriously. Uh, Maybe some of us still feel like we're just signing up, but you want to take us into boot camp and beyond, into fighting the good fight and to showing a world that is lost and dying, that you are Savior, that you are Lord, that you are love, and you want us to be in relationship with yourself. God, I pray that that this church, God, will be so full of you and your love for us, that there won't be room for the lives of the world, and that we will go out confidently to show your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we begin uh, our time of worship again, we invite you to take communion. And, um, and if you need also prayer, Ibrahim is over here on the side and pray for you. Uh, we take communion remembering the night Jesus was betrayed. And he, <laughs> isn't it amazing? Knowing he was going to be betrayed, he, he prepared him for it. And he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that will be broken for you. In the same way, taking the cup, he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you 
partake in this, do it in remembrance of me. And so we do that every week. And you can do that by just kind of going to the back here and, and uh, Walter and Susie will share communion with you.